Amen. Jesus loves us. And it's awesome to sing about that. And you guys did an awesome job of singing. Did you notice it's just like a love song to Jesus all morning. It's been really great to just worship him in that way. Let's bow in prayer as we open God's word this morning. Father, we come before you today and we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a, it's a guide to our feet. Your word is a light to our path and a guide to our feet. And so, Lord, we pray that this morning we would hear your word afresh. And it would, in fact, guide us. And we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would also be doers of your word. Pray that you would anoint me that I might speak your word in power and in truth. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy St. Valentine's Day, everyone. Um, you know who St. Valentine's is? He's a guy who lived in the 3rd century. And apparently the emperor, Claudius, at the time, needed to expand his army. And uh, so he thought, Claudius was like, well, you know, all these young people, instead of enjoying the, the adventures of military life, they're all getting married. So you know what the emperor did? He outlawed marriage. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, there was a, a monk, or not a monk, a priest, who didn't like that idea too much, uh, Valentine. And he would secretly marry uh, Christians in, in private, private places. And, and uh, so the emperor found out, he got thrown in jail, and uh, his judge, uh, he, he, he witnessed, he, he shared the gospel to the judge. And uh, as the judge was listening to it, he, he went, yeah, right, this can't possibly be true. Uh, you say Jesus heals people. Well, can he still heal, heal people? Yes, he can. Well, I have a, a blind daughter that we've adopted. Uh, I think Jesus can heal her. And Valentine said, sure, I, we can try. We can ask. And he put his hands on her and prayed for her, and she received her sight. And uh, the judge let him go, got baptized. He and his whole family got baptized and became believers. Well, it didn't make being a Christian legal anymore or at all the emperor still didn't want christians around and he also didn't like saint valentine's uh marrying people so it, valentine ended up in jail again and the emperor actually got to know him and started you know conversing with him and of course valentine started trying to convince uh the emperor that Christ, that jesus christ died and rose again and that he was the, the way the truth and the light and the emperor got so furious that he commanded that uh, Valentine be uh, beaten to death. Uh, of course, that didn't kill him, uh, so they actually ended up beheading him. And he left a note in his prison cell, which was signed, uh, Your Valentine. I'm not sure who it was to. Anyways, that's what the legends say. I don't know how much of that was true, but anyways, that's the legend of St. Valentine. But I, it... it brings me to this thought. Are you so convinced that marriage is a good thing that you'd be willing to, to risk jail and imprisonment and beatings and death? How important is marriage to you? Just a little important, something maybe possibly you could do, or is it something that is powerful? Do you honor marriage? Do you bless and encourage marriages of those people around you? Do you honor and respect your own marriage if you're married? Or have you been become cynical of marriage? You know, there's a lot of cynicism towards marriage these days. The non-Christian world around us is just full of cynicism. And uh, the very thought 
uh, making a lifelong commitment to another human being just seems preposterous to many people. I mean, marriage is often referred to as a ball and chain, right? And I looked up ball and chain on Wikipedia or whatever, and then had some synonyms for ball and chain. You know what the synonyms for ball and chain are? There were three. Girlfriend, wife, old lady. Isn't that shocking? I was like, you got to be kidding me. Those are the synonyms? The only three synonyms for ball and chain? I couldn't believe it. Um, and I read the article that said, stated, every heterosexual man will have heard, used the phrase, the old ball and chain at some time in his life. And I'm like, excuse me, some of us have a little more respect for women and marriage than, than saying that. That has never come out of my mouth and it never will. Uh, and some people say, oh, it's just a joke. Well, it's not a very funny joke. It's ridiculous and it mocks marriage and it mocks uh, women, and I won't say those kinds of things. It's it's the last thing this world needs is Christians who jo- jump on the bandwagon and mock marriages and mock what it means to be married to people. With the divorce rates soaring, marriages being redefined, we don't need people mocking uh, marriage as something like a straitjacket. That's not what it is. It's not what God intended it to be. And God intended it to be beautiful. And it's one of the very first things he created. And within the first few chapters of, of, the, of the Bible, you have God saying it's not good for man to be alone. And you have God saying that he put them together and let no man separate what he puts together. And so God is very much in for marriage. And, but you know what the primary reason we ought not to mock marriage is because the Bible says not to. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4 says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. Did you see that? You know, I've often read this passage, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, okay, so married couples should make sure that, you know, they're pure and holy in their marriages. But that's not what the verse actually says. I thought it was like married people should honor marriage. But do you see what the verse says? Who's supposed to honor marriage? All. Everyone. Well, that includes like kids and teenagers and single people and married people and sort of like everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it's all in the word all. That's right. We're all to honor marriage. And how do we do that? You know, it doesn't say that all marriages should be honored. It's, It's saying that all people is very emphatic. The all is about the people. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches you that you ought to honor marriages. And so this morning, we're joining with thousands of other congregations across North America and the world, actually, who are going to be teaching on this subject. In fact, this, this sermon I'm giving today is actually not my own sermon. It's Ted Cunningham's sermon, and it's from Focus on the Family. And thousands of churches are teaching this uh, this Sunday, and the, many churches have had the, the, like the date night last night. Hey, if you weren't there, you missed a fun evening. <laughs> it was hilarious. I uh, really enjoyed it with my wife, and thank those who put it together. It was awesome. Um, but we're focusing on, and even the young people on Friday night, they were focusing on how to honor their parents' marriages and the marriages around them. Pretty cool. And so this morning, we want to talk about this. How do we honor marriages? 
<clears throat> so basically, the idea is that any and everyone ought to um, honor marriages. And you can bless the marriages in your family, the marriages in your community, the marriages in your church, the marriages that you're connected with in some small way, maybe at work or somewhere. You can bless all of those marriages by being Christ-honoring towards those marriages. And we're going to talk a bit about how, how you can bless marriages in your community. Um, sometimes we think like, well, it, it's kind of hopeless. I mean, the trend is towards mocking, destroying marriage. How we ever, you know, what difference can we make, you know? And Andy, Andy Stanley has this great saying. He says, uh, do for the one what you can't do for them all. I love that statement. It's saying, just, just pick one. Pick one marriage that you can do something about. Maybe your parents, maybe a friend, maybe uh, your kids' friends. I don't know. But pick one marriage and then just support it like crazy. Just, just get in there and say, you know, how can I help you guys be a better couple? You know, what, can I look after your kids for a while? What, what can I do for you? And just support one marriage, encouraging them. Um, you know, churches and pastors sometimes hesitate to preach on and teach on uh, marriage. Because in every congregation, not everyone's married. A good chunk of the people here today, not married. So they're probably going like, oh, great, a sermon on marriage, great. Well, I'm going to twiddle my thumbs for the next hour. No, listen to me. Even single people need to honor marriage. In fact, the single community, the single, you know, that, that has double meanings, doesn't it? Anyways, the, the community of single people is what I'm talking about. They're the ones who are the hardest on marriage. They're the ones, you know, when, when they hear someone got, got engaged, their first question is, are you sure? You know, like, aren't you happy for me? No, we're just checking to make sure you're sure, you know. Why would you do, why would you want to lose your independence, sir? Or what are you thinking? Run while you can. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, it just ends badly. Duck. <laughs> Live your life first. You're too young to get married. Or, you know, I can't imagine getting married. I have way too much to li living to do before I get all tied down. You've heard these things before, haven't you? That's what I'm talking about. It's easy to bash marriage. And your life doesn't end the moment you get married, like people tend to be saying. The opposite is true. Once you get married, you can still do stuff. Believe it or not, just a hint. You can still go have fun, you know. In fact, there's some things that are way more fun to do together. Other things people say. Don't you know one of two marriages ends in divorce? Are you seriously getting married? <laughs> Get out while you can. Oh, you're getting married? My condolences. <laughs> Whatever, marriage is just a piece of paper. Congratulations. You can't stay single and happy all your life. Are you ready to take the plunge, give up your life? And the, the list goes on, and I could go on forever. And I, but I don't want to mock marriage. This is what we're up against. I want to just paint this picture of what we're up against. The whole world seems to be bent on saying that this is, and I know some of it's injustice, some of it's just light mockery. But the fact is, that the truth, that, that people are starting to take it as truth. 
And we need to be the ones who honor marriage and say, no, I'm not going to have any part, not even in joking, not even in jesting about it. I'm going to be different. I'm going to, I'm going to honor marriage. I'm going to make sure that my jokes are about the great things about marriage and not about condemning marriage and putting it down. I mean, God, when God created everything, he said it was good. Each day, you know, he created the light, it was good. He created the, the moon, it was good. He created the, the vegetation and the land and the water and the fish and the birds, and it's all good, 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 good. He gets to man, he creates man, and what does God say? It's not good <laughs> that he should be alone. God's design was to make, make people male and female. And in his design was the whole marriage concept. It was right from the very beginning. It was part of God's design. That doesn't mean you can't live a fulfilled life if you're single. Absolutely. God allows that. And if that's your gift from God, then rejoice in it. But God designed marriage as well. And he made it holy and honorable. And so instead, next time you hear someone say one of those things I just mentioned, what are you going to say? Oh, you sound a little jealous, don't you? Right? You're going to counter what they're saying and throw it back in their face and say, yeah, right. I believe marriage is an awesome thing, whether you're married or not, whether you're having a great marriage or not. Because even when you're having a struggling marriage, if you honor the concept of marriage, you can say marriage is awesome. I'm just struggling a little right now. And we can all honor marriage in our thoughts and in our minds. <clears throat> I remember one time I was with a group of people I, I loved and cared for very much. And my wife and I announced that we were having our third child, that she was pregnant with our third child. And the room went absolutely silent. And we're like, you know, this is a good thing. And we had to tell them that, you know, you could congratulate us. You could, you could be happy for us. And they're like, oh, okay. Oh, way to go. You know? And, you know, we're like, what was that? You know? And I, we don't hold it against them because, you know, we love them. But you know what? When someone gets engaged, maybe the first thing out of our mouth should be, hey, that's awesome. Congratulations. Not are you sure? Like, what, what in the world? And so let's, not, let's make sure that we think marriage is a good thing, that we're excited about, that we're congratulating, that we're honoring those decisions that people are making because it's awesome. It's a celebration. So you can see that this call in, in uh, Hebrews 13 verse 4 is not just for the married people. It's a celebration that need, it needs to be celebrated by all of us, uh, no matter what stage of life we are, and, and just honor, honor marriage as something that's awesome. But to be sure, uh, Hebrews 13 verse 4 is certainly about married couples as well. And to be sure, it's, it's, it's directed to them. Uh, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. So certainly, there's a call for the sanctity and the holiness of the marriage relationship, that it's something special, and it's not to be just uh, tread upon lightly, and, uh, you know, like, oh, I could have some other partner involved here. The Bible just says, no, that's not God's plan. That's not God's will. Um, we need to honor our marriage relationships, and 
the very first and foremost thing is infidelity. We, we need, or fidelity, I should say. <laughs> we need to be honoring of our spouse and be faithful to our spouse. And that's number one. But that, that's not the end of it. Honoring and faithfulness is just the beginning, really. It, then there's, there's treasuring our spouse. You know, the Bible says, um, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, you know, there's some guys that treasure their, their hot rods. There's some guys that treasure their sports. And, you know, like they've got the biggest honking TV you've ever seen. And what's it there for? It's for sports. And they, you know, they've got the, the cooler in the, in the basement there for their pop or their beer or whatever it is. And they got their lazy boy chair. I mean, it's all, I mean, I don't know. They're into sports where they're sitting in a lazy boy chair drinking beer. I don't get it. But, you know, like that's some people, that, that's where their heart is. And the Bible calls men and women to have their hearts with their spouse. And that means that maybe you buy some flowers and chocolate on today. Guys, remember today? You can still get them. They're still open today, you know? <laughs> A few red faces out there, including my own. <laughs> There's a confession. <laughs> I know where I'm going right after church. <laughs> that was not supposed to come out right there. <laughs> I'd planned before the service, you know, to make it a surprise. It's not as you know, man. Anyways. <laughs> we need to honor our marriage. We need to put our treasures where our heart where our treasure is. We need to treasure our spouses. We need to do things for our spouses that cost money, cost time, cause, cost us effort. And if we never put effort out, our spouses will pick up on it. We never put money out, our spouses will pick up on it. And we will not be treasuring the love. And we will not have that love in our heart that is awesome and overflowing to our spouse. You know, my sister and I, gave tributes to my father a month and a half ago at his funeral. And uh, as she got up to speak, I suddenly thought to myself, I wonder if she's going to share everything I have to share about my dad. And I was like, well, don't say the things I want, because we didn't look at each other's notes at all. And uh, so she gets up and she shares all this stuff about my dad, and I wasn't going to share any of it. And I was grateful, except she shared one thing that I was going to share. And I decided that I would share it anyways, because for her and for me, it was one of the classic things that my dad did. And he did it often. And it showed me something about a man's love for a woman. Because here we are, three kids sitting around the table, my parents, every day. My, my mom would be always up first to start putting the dishes away. And as she would get up from the table, my dad would kick back his chair, swing out like this, grab her by the waist, and haul her down onto his lap. And he'd say, this is the God's greatest gift for me. And he would, he would boast about his wife to us kids. And she's all red and embarrassed. It happened every day. I don't know like, how she couldn't get used to it. But he would do this almost every day. And it was just this beautiful thing that my, us kids saw about our parents and the love they had for one another and how they cared about each other so much. And, you know, I, was, I got a phone call. I was talking to my mom this week. 
And uh, she said, you know, yeah, there were, you know, one of the ladies that was at the funeral, she, she talked to me and she said, wow, it was a beautiful f funeral service. Didn't know any, any of those things about your husband. And, uh, you know, that story about you, you getting hauled onto his lap and, and him kissing you in front of the kids. And that really uh, shocked me. I, I sat on my, my husband's lap once. And he said, oh, you're cutting off the circulation in my life, on my, in my legs. Get off, will you? And that was the last time I ever sat on his lap. And then she went on to explain how she's now divorced. And, you know, it's the little things that we do that show love for people. And where your treasures, that's where your heart will be also. And, you know, my parents, they're not perfect parents, but they loved each other. They cared about each other deeply. And, uh, yeah, better stop talking about that or I'm going to cry. So, <laughs> uh, so whether you're single or married, we all need to honor marriage. So let's look at another aspect of marriage, another way of honoring marriage. The book of Solomon, a song of Solomon, written, it's, it's basically a love story between two people, uh, Solomon and a Shunammite. Oh, man, I didn't practice that word. Shunammite woman. It's an eight-chapter book. And basically, it's kind of like a musical. You know you know how musicals go? They, they burst into song at various places, and the acting kind of is strange because there's songs all over the place. Well, that's kind of like what the Song of Solomon is. And it's kind of like a duet. There's the, the woman singing to the man and the man singing to the woman. And it's all these verses going back and forth. And it's kind of cool. But every once in a while, there's kind of like this chorus line that comes out. And it's, they're called the Daughters of Jerusalem, right? In part of the story. And they will join in. And it's almost like a, a doo-wop going on in the background of this little, little duet going on. And this is really what marriage is like. And I believe that we all can be the background singers for the marriages involved in our circle. We can, you know, just say, hey, way to go. Keep it up. In chapter 4, verse 1, um, these, these background singers, the daughters of Jerusalem, they say, we will exalt and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. See, they're, they're, they're praising the love that they see in front of them. They say, this is so great. You guys are in love. They're not saying, are you sure about this? <laughs> right? No. They're like, we're extolled. You, you guys are amazing. This is awesome. They're so excited for the couple. <clears throat> and so, you know, and, and the book carries on. There's, there's actually a, a bit of a honeymoon, and then there's some problems after the honeymoon. And uh, the, every time this chord sings, these, this chorus group sings, they're 100% behind the marriage of Solomon and the Shunammite woman. And so I want to ask you today, do you have backup singers for your marriage? Do people say, hey, way to go. You guys are really in love. That's so awesome. Hey, I saw you guys the other day. <laughs> I saw you holding hands while you're walking down the street. <laughs> That's awesome. Keep it up. I remember saying to my parents, like, I love the fact that you guys hold hands everywhere you go. I see so many couples that don't hold hands. And, you know, we want to encourage things like that. 
But bad, bad, you know, sometimes, have you ever seen, uh, you know, uh, some people who are singing and then they got a really crappy chorus behind them and they're really bad and they're off key and it doesn't work and you're like, what was that? You know, unfortunately it happens in church quite a bit, but you know, <laughs> we need to be on key and together. I shouldn't have said that. That was a nasty comment. Anyways, it doesn't happen in church, not in this church. <laughs> But you know what? A bad backup singer could say something like this. Why did you ever marry him? Why did you ever marry her? And all of a sudden there's discord. A bad backup singer might say, she's never going to change. A bad backup singer might say, you know, you've tried everything. I think sometimes it's just time to say quits. Let's not be a bad backup singer. Let's always be the positive backup singer. Always be the ones that are saying, rooting for the marriage, even when it's difficult, even when it's tough, even when it doesn't look good. Let's be the ones that say, you know, we believe that Jesus breathes life into a dead marriage. We believe that, that he can, can raise the dead. Don't lose hope. Keep praying. Your mar- pray for your marriage miracle. You know, how, how about you come over for our, to our place for dinner tonight? And we'll just sit around and we'll have a good time together. And maybe it'll just loosen up the tension in your marriage. Just both of you come on over. Or have you looked into a marriage counseling weekend? Or a marriage counselor? I, I, can, I know a good marriage counselor. Let's go find out. And uh, if you need to know marriage counselors, I, I can. if you need some help finding one, let me know. I'll give you a hand. It's time to turn down or mute out those background singers that are bringing poison into the marriages. And let's turn up the volume of those background singers that are ready to honor and respect and and encourage your marriage and build it up. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so we need to find people who will sharpen our marriages. You know, there's, there's been five couples in our church that have gone through a marriage mentoring training and they're equipped to to be that iron sharpening another marriage and so if you'd say hey you know i i wouldn't mind having someone just to walk alongside my marriage let me know i'll hook you up with one of these couples and uh you know we'll see what happens see how it goes doesn't mean that you'll connect automatically and it'll all be fantastic but maybe it will and maybe you'll be able to get some help as you do your marriage So we're going to look at five practical steps uh, before I finish. And five practical ways that anybody can honor marriage. You don't have to be married. You can be single. You can be whatever. But five practical steps. Um, Okay. No, not anyone. Some of these are for specific people. Sorry, I got that wrong. (laughs) But one or two of the five you can get involved with. So the first one... (laughs) first one kind of tipped it off for me. Honor your child's marriage by picturing a special future. If you don't have children, you can't really do this one. But maybe you can as a Sunday school teacher or something. But we need to honor our children's marriage, the ones that haven't taken place yet, the future. Picturing a beautiful picture of a marriage for our kids in the, in the future. And that's honoring marriage. That's raising that level of marriage, saying, hey, this is normal. This is uh, a a God's gift for us. Parents, we're raising future spouses. 
Are you raising a spouse who will be honoring to the member of the opposite sex? Are you raising a spouse who will care and love for and, and show respect for their partner? You know, someday, dads, you're going to be walking your daughter up the aisle. Someday you might be asked to give a speech at a wedding. What are you going to say? There's been some pretty awesome speeches by fathers. Pretty amazing. Let me encourage you not to wait till the wedding day, but to speak these words of encouragement into your kids' lives long before about their future partner, about the wife or husband that they will have someday, and how to prepare for that, how to get ready for that day. Kevin Lehman uses a, a, a word picture of a pony. And he, he says, you know, like, like, you know, how many little girls have come up to their parents, hey, mommy, 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 can I get a pony? Can I get a pony? And what's the response? Kid, what do, we live in the city. We have no place for a pony. We can't afford a pony. We don't have room for it. You can't get a pony. Sorry. And Kevin Lehman says, why don't you just enter into the kid's world? Oh, wouldn't a pony be awesome? <laughs> you could ride it to school, tie it up at the fence, go to, you know. It's a fantasy. Just enter in. And he says the same thing when your little girl comes home and says, I think I'm in love. And you can just say, oh, isn't that sweet? But most parents, they say, you're too young to be in love. You can't be in love. You don't know what love is. Your dad and I, we know what love is. Her. <laughs> right? And kids, we, we need to develop in our children that love for marriage. And when they say, I think I'm in love, or when they're playing house and they're husband and wife or whatever, we ought to encourage those things and build and enter into it. Oh, really? You're in love? Oh, should we go look at houses for you guys? You know, <laughs> obviously, seven-year-old's not re quite ready for that. But, you know, you can just enter into the fantasy of it all and enjoy it and, and build it up in their lives. It's called dreaming with your child, children. <clears throat> And what, and Gary Smalley has this really good advice. I've tried to take up on it, but my boys are kind of like, okay, Dad, you can stop that. But anyways, <laughs> it's praying for the spouse of your, of your child. And, uh, you know, your kids know that you pray for their future spouse. And it might make them a little uncomfortable, but you know what? If you're praying for your kid's future spouse, they might have a little more confidence that God is directing them to that future spouse and that God's involved in that process. And so let's pray for our kid's future spouses. You know, the book of Proverbs has some wise sayings, and many of them are, are you know, basically it sounds like a dad sitting his son down and having a little chat with him, you know, about various things. And uh, I love Proverbs 5.18. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. In other words, son, when you're a young man and you fall in love and get married, I want that for you. I want you to rejoice and just enjoy it. And then, uh, later on in Proverbs it says, you know, 
uh, God finds favor with those who find a wife. He who finds a wife finds good things and, and obtains favor from the Lord. What an awesome thing to be, have the Lord's favor because you found a, a spouse. Well, let's move on. Secondly, we can honor marriage by honoring your adult child's marriage by separating from them emotionally, relationally, and financially. You know, it's so important. Genesis 2 verse 24 says, says this, Therefore a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Notice that it's the man leaving his father and mother. Uh, you know, it used to be that, that when basically teenagers at the end of their teens would get married and leave the house and go live together. But these days, that's all changed. Now, uh, you know, the young men and women are like single till they're like 30. And so they're, they're sometimes at home, sometimes they're away from home. It's like they're, they're building their own home away from home, but there's no one with them. They're by themselves. And a lot of times they come, they, the, one of the main attachments in their life is their parents. And that can cause, that can become very strong. And it can become so strong that it's very hard to change that once they get married. And the idea is that what this verse is saying is that when a person gets married, they separate from the primary love of, the, of their old immediate family, and they start a new immediate family. And it changes. I remember when, when my wife and I first got married, and we, we were poor students, so you know, free room and board was a good thing, and so we moved in with her, uh, Jennifer's parents. And, uh, and I remember a few times feeling jealous that my wife was having a chat with her mom or her dad. And I remember thinking, why is that making me feel jealous? That's so weird. I love my, grand my parents-in-law, and they're wonderful people, and I should be happy that my wife is, is with them chatting away. But I was feeling left out. And that's why there's this idea of separating. It's because the, the husband and wife make a new family a new first priority. And parents often have a hard time with that. Because, oh, my little Johnny is now getting married to this woman. And I don't, you know, or my little girl, you know, my little girl is married to this guy. And I need to care for her still and be involved. No, you don't. Your work's done, okay? Your daughter and, and son-in-law or your son and daughter-in-law, they don't need to obey you anymore. They can still honor you, as the Bible says, but they don't need to obey you. And really, there ought to be some separate... It doesn't mean you need to move to the other side of the world or something, you know? It doesn't mean you just think, okay, you're on your own, that, that's it, you know, I'm never talking to you again. No, it's not like that. It just means that the primary connection is no longer parent-child, it's now husband-wife. And that needs to be honored and respected. And you can't get in between there. Sometimes, you know, one, one of the spouses go crying home to mommy. And mommy's, oh, that terrible husband, wife of yours. I don't know why you married him. It's terrible. And if you want to honor marriage and you honor your, your adult kid's marriage, it doesn't matter what they're saying to you, you honor the marriage. And you say, I'm really sorry to hear that, honey. But you know, God has given this gift to you. 
Oh, it doesn't seem like a gift to me. No, but it's true. That's what the Bible says. And I support you guys together. And I, you can cry on my shoulder, sure. But go back out there and live the life that God's called you to live. And so we need to be careful. As that, and that's not our natural, our natural responses. Oh, you poor little thing. That other person is so terrible. We need to support marriages, not just our children. You get the difference? Marriages. Honor couples by encouraging quality couple time. This is something we actually all can do. We can all get involved in this. Uh, every, every marriage needs a daily delay, a weekly withdrawal, and an, an annual abandon. Ab- abandon, yeah. What do I mean by that? Well, a daily, a daily uh, delay is like 15 or 20 minutes where you just bump into each other and you just chat. You talk about stuff. And that ought to be happening every day in a couple's life. Because if you have that every day, this is not about, you know, hey, it's your responsibility to take out the garbage or who's who's bringing Joey to to baseball practice. No, this is just about, you know, what was happening at work and, uh, you know, about the sermon you heard on the the radio and what do you think of this. And it's it's just chatting. It's, It's just time to be together. And we need that every day. It's part of the bread and butter of a relationship. And then this weekly withdrawal. You know, the, the best things couples can do is have a, like a, a date night every week. Every week. And I, you know, I find it very hard to do this. <laughs> I'm busy all the time. And it's hard. And there's this, there's this church. Oh, before I get to the church, I want to just relate this. In the Song of Solomon, chapters 1 and 2, the, the couple isn't married yet. They're, they're dating, okay? And there's this love going back and forth, and they're all starry-eyed, and you know, you know the story of dating. <laughs> and finally, in chapter 3, they get, uh, they get married. But early in their relationship, somewhere in, along the road, they get sidetracked. And something happens. And they have a fight or something. We can't tell exactly what it is. Um, oh, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself again. In chapter 2, <laughs> it says, uh, My beloved speaks to me and says, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, come away. And basically, they're going out on a date. And they're having this awesome date. But later on, they get into this... Uh, oh, my goodness, am I ever mixed up? <laughs> Sorry. See, this is the problem with preaching someone else's sermon, right? Get mixed up. Um, Okay, I'm just going to talk about dating, first of all. Dating is so important. So this one church down the States, uh, it's called Woodlands Hills Family Church in in Branson, Missouri. They put out a uh, a couple's night challenge. And they said, what we want to do is we want to do, we want you guys to commit to 52 dates this year. 52 dates. And what we're going to do is we're going to have you all post them on this hashtag uh, 52 in 15. So it was this past year in 2015. 
and you post whatever date you go on. And you, you just keep everybody posted about all your dates and what you did and how much fun it was, all that stuff. So thousands and thousands of, of these uh, chirps or whatever, I don't know what they are. But anyways, things went on onto the web. And at the end of the year, the congregation would vote on which couple they thought did the best job of going out on 52 dates. And you had, to, you had to go out on at least 45 dates to qualify. And the one who went on the best and most dates, at least 45, won a, a cruise. <laughs> Whew, pretty nice. Sorry, it's not in the budget here. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. Well, you talk at their annual meeting. <laughs> But wouldn't it be cool to be a, that kind of church that promoted couples, that people were excited about? And when people heard about Eastgate Alliance Church, they oh, that's the church that has marriage mentoring. Oh, that's the church that has, has the uh, love and respect courses. Oh, that's the church that, that puts on these, these fun married things, has marriage alpha courses. That's the church that, that pumps their lifeblood into marriages. If you want to get married, you should marry at that church. That's what I'd like to see here, because they're concerned about marriages. They're pumping one another up. They're encouraging one another to go on dates and do those kinds of things. And wouldn't that be awesome to be a church like that? So let's get involved in marriage mentorship. Let's get involved in caring about other people. You don't even have to take the course. Just find another couple, go hang out with them, and encourage them. Say, hey, how's your marriage going? How's it really going? And encourage them in that. Uh, and, and, you know, some... Sometimes people say, well, you know, how, what am I supposed to do on a date? Well, dates can be almost anything. You don't need to spend money to go on a date. Uh, think of a theme. You know, is it going to be play or is it going to be laughter? Is it going to, you know, we're going to look for something humorous to go to? Is it going to be about dreaming? In a, is it going to be about adventure? Is it going to be about intimacy, something romantic? What's it going to be? And put a variety in, you know, like, like in our family, my, my wife likes romanticism and intimacy in, in you know, like, a, like going out on a date, like to a, a, a nice meal and tea and coffee and all that stuff. Me, you know, like I'd like to go canoeing in a lake with a campfire and a nice sunset, you know, like adventure, right? So we have to balance these things out and not do all of one kind and none of the other or, or all, of, you know, it's got to be a balance. So we so that we complement each other and encourage one another. And, and we're different. The two most common excuses for people, you know what it is? Got no money, got kids. Hmm. Yeah, got kids. And you're all like, your ears are perked up now. How is he going to solve that one? <laughs> well, you know what? You can solve that one. You can, you can uh, trade off with somebody. And say, hey, you know what? I'll look after your kids on Tuesday night if you look after my kids on Thursday night. And you can get a deal going. And you just trade your kids. And hopefully their kids are more behaved than your kids are. It'll all be good. <laughs> but yeah, try that. You know, we, you know we, my wife and I, we've lived all our lives away from our parents. So we, our parents never babysat our kids, ever. Well, once or twice. I can count on one hand the times that my, our parents babysat our kids. So that, what does that mean? It means there's lots of other families like that. 
And I'd encourage you, if you know a family that doesn't have grandparents around to look after the kids so that they can go on date night for cheap, why don't you volunteer? Say, hey, you know, I could look after your kids for you if you like. Why don't you guys get away and, and go have some fun? And take people up on that when they offer it. A lot of times we're so independent, we just go like, oh, no, no, it's fine. Don't worry. I'm, I'm all good. No, you're not. Get out there and have a date. <laughs> Leave your kids with somebody. Um, and grandparents, bless you. Keep it up. <laughs> Look after those grandkids because your kids need time alone with their spouse. So encourage quality couple time. It's a great way to prevent marital crisis because marital crises come from just not being together, not getting, not doing stuff together. And all of life is a grind because the only thing you ever do together is the difficult parts of life. And you never have fun together. Well, you start a dating person having fun together. What makes you think you should stop later on in life? You know, go out and have fun together. Honor couples in crisis. This is the fourth thing. Honor couples in crisis by advocating for both spouses, not just one. Every time you hear the chorus in the Song of Solomon, this is what I was going to get at earlier. In chapter 5, the couple are, are newlyweds. And the daughters of Jerusalem, they're, again, they, they, they've had a little tiff. You know, the honeymoon is over, I guess. And the Shunammite is looking for her husband because I guess she's like, oh, well, she's cooled off. She's not mad at him anymore. And she goes out looking for him. And the daughters of Jerusalem are there, and they say, where is your beloved gone, almost beautiful among women? Where has, you, where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? You see that? They're not like, oh, Solomon, he's such a jerk. He's got so many wives. You're just one of them. No. They're intent on giving her the pleasure of loving her husband. And they care about him. They don't call him a creep. They don't say he's, he's whatever. They're intent on getting the two together again and having them be in love. What can we do to help. And so you can be a course like that. You can be a friend that says, hey, how, how can we put it together? How can we patch it up? How can we help? What can we do? <clears throat> now, sometimes when you get called by a, a couple in crisis, I want you to know that if they call you, if they're explaining to you what's going on in their marriage, you have entered into a very sacred spot of trust with them. And a lot of times, the first reaction to that is, I don't want to hear about this. Get me away from this person. They've got all these problems that are pouring out to me, and I can't do anything about it, so I just want to escape. Totally the wrong way of looking at it. Why don't you look at it as they're confiding in me, God has put me into this very special place. I get an inside look at their family, and I can be a voice for God and reason and help them through this, this turmoil that they're going through. Secondly, so you can validate their feelings and, and, and encourage them. You know, sometimes you can listen to someone, and even if you know that they're making some bad decisions, you can still validate their feelings without saying you're doing the right thing. You don't need to say you're doing the right thing or wrong thing. Sometimes you just need to listen and say, yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. I'm sorry this is making you so upset. I'm sorry that this is so hard on you. 
You can say those things. And maybe you don't agree with moving out for the weekend or, or you know, locking the door to your bedroom or whatever. But it doesn't mean you can't empathize with the person. Secondly, point them in the right direction. You know, some backup singers, they have financial means and they can actually help pay for a counselor. You can uh, point them to a, a, a marriage seminar or a, a marriage uh, renewal weekend. Uh, there's lots of them around. You can invite them to, to study the Bible with you and your small group. You can invite them to, uh, to read marriage books. And you can challenge them for reconciliation. And if they, you can ask them this question. Do you believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead? And most Christians will, I mean, hopefully all Christians will say, yeah. And then you can say, well, if the spirit of Christ is in you, and he rose Christ from the dead, then he can raise your marriage from the dead. Your marriage can be dead and over with, and God can still raise it back to life. That's what God does. God is in the business of transforming marriages, transforming people in marriages. That's God's business. Someone challenged me the other day. They thought I'd somehow said that God doesn't change people. And I was like, if I said God didn't change people, then I wouldn't be in the business of being a pastor. Because, you know, that's what I do. That's what I live for, is to see God change people. That's everything I am. So one last group of pe people, one way, other way of honoring people is honoring the, the people who've been at it for a long time and recognize their commitment and follow their example. So I want to do that right now. If you've been married for 25 years or more and you're still married to the same person, I'd like you to stand up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's give these people a hand. They're the ones that you can go to and get some advice. Awesome. Thank you. We need to honor them. As people who've been around the block, they've taken the... They, I would, I would dare say that probably every single one of them have had, at some point, some difficulty in their marriage. And I, I can certainly say that about our marriage. And almost all of them will have to say, yeah, there was some rough spot over here or over there. And they'll be able to relate. But they stuck through it. They stuck it out. And they're still married today as a testimony, testimony to God's grace in their life. Um, you know, a lot of times... Um, one of the, the old-timers said, you know, if it's not broke, or if it's broke, you don't throw it away, you fix it. You know, we live in this throwaway society now, you know. TV's broke, well, get a new one. And uh, we treat marriages sometimes the same way. But the longevity of a marriage is saying, no, you fix it. You go through the work, and sometimes it's hard work. Last night they were saying that, you know, um, you know marriage isn't easy. I mean, you actually have to vow that you'll stick with this person through life, you know, through health and sickness and poor poverty and, and wealth. Uh, Till death do you part. You know, you, you don't say that about things that are easy, you know, like, oh, I pledge to eat sugar for the rest of my life. You, know? <laughs> you just don't do that. You do that for difficult things. So, yeah, marriage has difficulties. We, we're aware of that. The vows themselves make you very aware. If you didn't know before you got married, you know why you're taking the vow. Well, this must be pretty something pretty serious here. 
It's not all fun and games. There's certainly lots of fun and games, but it's not all fun and games. And so these people have stuck with it. And a lot of times people get the wrong impression of, well, you know, they look at these couples that just stood up and they go, wow, how do they do that? How do they stay married so long? And how do they still seem to be in love? They must be soulmates, you know. They must be a perfect match. No. Oh, it's love, baby, love. That's what's keeping them together. Actually, it's character. If you really want to know, that's what it is. It's character. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't start compatible. They worked on being compatible. They worked at fitting it all together and working together and being compatible. It's not a perfect match. There's no such thing. You know, some of the websites today, like, we'll run, run your profile through a computer and we'll find the perfect match for you. Yeah, right. There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. You make it work you, through character, through the spirit of Christ causing the character of Christ to be made in you. That's what makes it work. And when we are humble and when we consider others greater than ourselves, when we consider their feelings and their thoughts before we consider our thoughts, then we're like Christ who died for his bride. Then it'll work. Then you'll have many years of compatibility because you worked on it and you became compatible with one another. Character trumps compatibility every time. It's our character. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, Solomon says, Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because this is your portion in life and in your toil and in your in all your toil at which you toil under the sun. Now, you've got to realize Ecclesiastes is a very depressing book. He's, you know, saying, oh, it's a miserable wife. We've got to live down here. But notice what he says. Enjoy your wife in this miserable life you live. You know, you don't have to have enjoyment or wife. You can enjoy one another in the difficulties, in the fun times, in it all together. So, parents, train up your kids. Train them, get them ready for a good marriage. Single friends, research tells us that you have a 90% chance of getting married. Walking down the aisle one day. The church desires to be a backup singer for that event in your life. We want that to happen for you. We want to be excited when you tell us, hey, I found the perfect guy. I found the perfect girl. I'm, married. I'm in love. We want to back that up. We want to be there for you. My newlywed friends, we want your marriage to just take off. We want it to last a half a century or more. The church wants to back you up in that. Married friends, if your marriage is off-key due to boredom or crisis, this church wants to be your backup singer and say, hey, keep at it. It is worth it. It will turn a corner. And by God's grace, you will have a great marriage again one day. My seasoned married friends, thank you for your example to us all. That's really encouraging. Your duet is important to this church. When you sing your duet, we all... Take, a, take note, when you hold your wife's hand, 
we take note. When you say sweet things about your spouse in front of other people, we take note. We see that. Thank you. We appreciate it. So I want to leave you just with this last thought. Have you thought of one couple that maybe you could bless, encourage, strengthen? Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we want to honor marriage in our midst. And Lord, we pray that we would change the culture of marriage bashing, bashing to marriage supporting. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to recognize that we have a part to play in other people's marriages. That we need our own marriages strengthened. Lord, we pray that this church would become a church of people excited about other people's marriages. Lord, I, I just thank you for people who aren't even married themselves, but, but go around supporting other people's marriages and just rejoicing at the ones that are doing well and being sorrowful for those that aren't. Lord, I pray that you would bless those people. Lord, just give them grace and allow them to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, whether they're married or not. Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you. We dedicate our marriages to you. We dedicate our futures to you, Lord. Those who are looking forward to marriages, Lord, we dedicate their spouses to you. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, match them up with good, godly, characterized people uh, that would make great spouses. Father, we offer all of this to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.